Ace is the place with the helpful hardware, folks. It's Ace's biggest LED light bulb sale of the year. Right now, buy one, get one free on our best-selling LED light bulbs. Our four-pack of LED bulbs is $9.99, and our two-pack of LED floodlights is only $12.99. Buy one, get one free. There's no limit on how much you can save, so stock up now. Hurry in. Buy one, get one free on long-lasting 10-year LED bulbs, now through Monday, only at your neighborhood Ace. See participating stores for details. On this edition of Locked on Grizzlies, we'll talk a little NBA Finals. We'll look at what's happening with the Grizzlies and their June draft preparations. Will there be any draft pick at all? Interesting salary numbers and a conversation with the head coach of the Memphis Hustle, the D-League slash G-League team now owned by the Grizzlies, Glenn Cyprian. That is all to come as you listen. You are Locked on Grizzlies. Locked on Grizzlies, your daily Memphis Grizzlies podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Hi there, everybody. Welcome in to this edition of Locked on Grizzlies as we continue with the off season, my name is Peter Edmiston, and I am really happy that you have chosen to download the podcast and listen in. Thank you very much for that. Uh, you can hear me uh, each and every morning in the Memphis area, seven to ten uh, on Sports Fifty Six WHBQ and eighty seven seven FM. Wolo and Peter in the morning, and in fact, you'll hear coming up uh, an interview that I did on the radio side with uh, Glenn Cyprian, Memphis Hustle head coach, uh, earlier in the week. Uh, some very interesting comments from. Uh, Glenn Cyprian, not only about the hustle and about some of the younger Grizzly players, but also about the the whole concept of development in the uh, in the NBA. What it means for the Grizzlies to have the uh, D League, G League team. I can't get I can't get used to the G League thing yet. Um, and technically, the NBA has uh, announced that it's not. They haven't made the f- official transition to the G League. They won't make it until uh, the day after the draft, June 23rd. That's the official day of the G League. So if you want to call it the D League in your personal life right now, you still want to. That's technically accurate uh, until at least until June 23rd. Uh, so you'll hear from uh, Glenn Cyprian coming up uh, at the end of the podcast about that. That's a uh, very nice, interesting interview that uh, I did along with my radio partner, Dave Oloshan, um, as I said uh, earlier in the week. Now, also, on the show today, we're going to talk uh, a little bit about the NBA Finals here momentarily. Also, some uh, draft preparation info and uh, some free agent preparation info that is uh, very, very interesting indeed. I want to say a big thank you to the folks over at SeatGeek who continue to help bring you this podcast. And uh, use the promo code LOGRIZZLIES when you download that SeatGeek app and downloading it is absolutely free and super easy. Go to any of your app stores, Android, iPhone, whatever it may be, download it. Super simple. Now, why would you want it? Here is the answer to that. Do you like to save time? Of course you do. Who doesn't? Do you like to save money? Oh my God. Of course, right? Absolutely. So what if I could save you time and money and get you the best tickets for the best shows, and do it for the best price guaranteed. Pretty good deal, right? That's SeatGeek. In a nutshell, that's what it is. The app allow them to just kind of let their proprietary information and their their software that they use to look across all of the ticket sites, let them do all that work for you so that you can look 
open up the seating chart for whatever venue, whatever show, whatever concert, whatever game you want to go to. You can look at that seating chart. Look at the color-coded little dots. Those are the tickets that are available. And if they happen to be green, that means go. Great price, guaranteed. They've looked at it across all of the sites. That's what the market tells you is a good price. So go after it with confidence. And use the promo code L-O-Grizzlies. That's L-O-Grizzlies. Use that promo code on the SeatGeek app. There's a settings tab. And there's a promo code section. Type it in there. You'll save 20 bucks off your first SeatGeek purchase, and you will help the pod. It's a no-lose situation. Again, that's promo code LOGRIZZLIES. Locked on Grizzlies. Uh, thank you for that support. And SeatGeek thanks you, too. And you'll thank yourself because you'll be saving yourself a heck of a lot of money. It's SeatGeek. You're going to love it. Check it out. Now, uh, the NBA Finals continue tonight. Game three. So far... I cannot change my viewpoint. I thought it was going to be a sweep. I continue to think that it's going to be a sweep. And if it doesn't happen tonight, it is not going to happen for Cleveland. This is the opportunity. You got to assume. And, you know, I I think that that all of the arguments that people are, are bringing up about Cleveland and about how they're going to get back in the series, so much of it is theoretical. To me, so much of it is um, you're grasping a little bit for straws. The metaphysical improvement that these players make, role players play better on their home floor, that kind of stuff. That's true, but it doesn't really get to the basketball dilemmas that Cleveland faces when they play Golden State. That still doesn't really solve the Kevin Durant problem. That doesn't solve the problem of LeBron James having to do everything on both ends of the floor and just getting tired. It doesn't solve any of those problems. It's a nice thing to say, but it doesn't really get to the heart of the matter. That's why, ultimately, I I can't pick Cleveland to even win a single game because I don't see how, in this series, they have enough advantages to do that. You see how hard they're playing. You saw game two. I mean, Cleveland played really, really hard in that game. Much harder than they did in game one. Didn't matter. And to me, the crazy thing is that it seems as though Golden State, I mean, now they're playing hard, but it it always seems like they've got an extra gear or two that they still could go to. Whereas Cleveland is like all out, a thousand percent sweat flying everywhere just to hang in there just to stay close and you know to me that tells you the difference the gap between these two teams is immense it is immense bigger than than i think most of us thought going into the series but it just is particularly when the role players aren't aren't playing well for uh for cleveland and you know if you want to talk about the the quote-unquote big three with lebron and Kyrie and kevin love come on man You've got LeBron, who is, without a doubt, the best player on the planet. With apologies to all, you know, KD and whoever. LeBron's the best. But Kyrie has played badly in this series, may not be 100% healthy anyway, and doesn't defend. People give Isaiah Thomas a lot of crap for not defending. Kyrie's every bit is guilty. And then Kevin Love is having a, a an okay series, but you can't keep him on the floor defensively. 
that's not a big three. That's a big one and two good guys. Golden State, on the other hand, that is four unbelievable players in their own right that have unbelievable skills that can play on both ends of the floor. As Clay Thompson showed you, game one, didn't have it, was really bad. Has been pretty bad for most of this playoff run, actually, uh, on offense. Doesn't matter, though, because defensively he's tremendous. And he stays on the court. You know, Draymond. I mean, what more can you say about his defense? Sure, the guy's annoying. Sure, the guy plays dirty. But he's a fabulous, amazing defender. And then you have KD and Steph. Winners of three of the last four MVP awards. That's why the the math doesn't add up for, for Cleveland. Not because Cleveland isn't a superb team. They are. It's just that they're not good enough. Not even close. And that's... Um, that's the reality of, of, of where things stand right now. Uh, now, moving to the Grizzlies, and uh, draft preparations continue, and the Grizzlies are preparing as if they have a pick in this draft. They do not, as of right now. But they are preparing as if they are going to do that, and that includes uh, draft workouts, which I am told that that is still being worked on, But as you would imagine, and we talked about it before, trying to convince players to come to Memphis for workouts for a team that doesn't have a draft pick isn't easy to do. You think about it from the player perspective. Look, we are in a a time when players more than ever want to control every aspect of this process. Agents want to control every aspect of this process. And I don't say that as a negative. I mean, if I'm if I'm those players, I, I want to do the same thing. I want to control every aspect of it, too. I, I don't want the opportunity to look bad. I don't want the opportunity to screw something up. I, I want to have the best possible outlook and the best possible view of my talents from wherever. Markel Fultz is only working out for the Celtics. Lonzo Ball tried only working out for the Lakers. These guys want to control where they go. I totally get that. I have no issue with that whatsoever. But in that kind of a circumstance, it means that if you are a team like the Grizzlies that does not have a draft pick, even if you tell people, hey, man, we're, we're working on getting a pick. Hey, you know, we're probably going to end up with uh, at least a second round pick, you know, maybe more. Please come work out for us. The perception and control of the process that these guys have agents and everything else, they don't want their guy to be perceived as going to work out for the team that doesn't even have a pick, which means that maybe my guy now is undrafted. Maybe he's thinking about being an undrafted free agent. You know, what, what kind of talent are we talking about? Agents don't want their guys to be perceived like that, so they don't send them, which is tough. So I, I know that that's uh, something that, that they're trying to do, but honestly, it's it's been much easier for the Grizzlies just to go to some of these agent workouts and um, other things that have been happening over the last uh, couple weeks because that's you're going to see the talent there. You're not going to have control over it in the process the way that you would if you brought the guy into your facility, but it's probably the best the Grizzlies are going to be able to do. 
at least until they actually prove and show that here, here's the pick. Here's the pick. We told you we were going to get a pick. Here's the pick. That then would at least make it a little easier of a sell uh, for for players who who may want to come in and and work out. I mean, the workout's not the be all end all. We've seen plenty of workouts that didn't accurately reflect what the player ended up being. So yeah, it's not not a deal breaker, but it is a little bit tricky. So we'll just keep an eye on that and and see if the Grizzlies can put something together uh, over the uh, the next week or so in terms of, of bringing players in. Again, I wish them luck. I know it's something that's not uh, not especially simple to do. Last thing before we get to the Glenn Cyprian interview, an interesting um, look at free agency and, and the first kind of peek at some of the projected numbers, uh, at least the first one that, that I have seen publicly. There are plenty of these privately, and each team has many, 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 many different models that they throw out there based on all sorts of different uh, variables and things happening. So, you know, teams model the free agent period uh, all the time for all different things and try to go through gaming out what it's going to look like so they can kind of prepare for what offers a guy's going to get and all this sort of thing. But in terms of projected money, there are a few models that are publicly available. One of the ones that I like and have uh, looked at in years past is uh, Andrew Johnson is uh, his name uh, at Counting Baskets. He is uh, a guy who has done this a fair bit and has uh, a good reputation about uh, statistical analysis and that kind of thing from a basketball standpoint. You know, one of the better publicly available draft models as well that you'll that you'll find. So so good stuff from him. And he modeled out, um, as he has done, I mentioned in years past, how free agency uh, will will look. And again, this is you know strictly a model. It's based on uh, a few assumptions that are not necessarily going to happen. It may, you know, inflate certain teams and certain or certain players, I should say in certain situations, you know, there, there are all sorts of, of variables that have to be you know, factored in. This is not a perfect look, but it is at least a statistically valid model. And our first look, at least the first one I've seen to kind of take all that stuff into effect and, and look at what the market is going to look like. And with that in mind, I was most intrigued by the fact that his projection sees Jermichael Green making uh, a contract with a contract somewhere in the neighborhood of $16 million a year. So, you know, he doesn't, you know, obviously we're not talking about specific teams. This is just what the market, based on his analysis and all that, reflects for Jermichael which means that that kind of is an expectation level. That's 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 something you have to start looking at. You know, we talked about the, the amount of money that, that, that he's going to, to get in free agency. And, you know, the assumption on that number, I think, has gone up a little bit. But, you know, now we're talking over 15, nearly $16 million. His model sees roughly four years and... 
63, I guess, is what it would, would end up being. Um, somewhere in that neighborhood. So, yeah, it's um, it's an interesting look. In case you're curious, um, some of the other Grizzlies, Vince Carter, the model sees with a uh, one-year deal worth $2 million. So just uh, just over... Or basically his his minimum, really, based on his experience level. Sees Zach Randolph uh, with a contract that's a short-term contract, but one that would be fairly lucrative, around $10 million to $15 million even. Seems a bit high on Zach, but there you go. Um, Tony Allen... Same kind of thing. You're talking about um, a guy who's going to get some good guaranteed money, but their model, uh, his model rather, says uh, around $5 million per year in a deal that is not especially long. One-year deal, one year with an option, that kind of thing. Uh, so so not, not a lot of years on those on those contracts. But that's to be understood, you know, based on the age of all those players involved. The one that is most intriguing, again, is Jermichael Green. If he gets that deal that brings in $16 million a, a year, if that's the offer sheet, then you know that's it's a lot. I don't know if the market is going to allow for that. I don't know if the market is going to be out there for Jermichael to be able to make that much money. There are not that many teams that are going to be able to clear space that is big enough to, to make that that offer. But there are a few. We've talked about Brooklyn. It would make a lot of sense for them to to throw down the gauntlet and to go get Jermichael Green. And I think if you see this, this finals series, it really highlights what he can do well, and it shows the value of a guy like that. When you see all these teams switching and you know having bigs guard smalls and vice versa, having to stretch the floor, all that, you know, you you can see why he is a valuable guy, even if the numbers don't really match up to the theory of what he could be just yet. Maybe they never will. He's twenty seven, but you know that's he's not super experienced, and you know he has shown signs of growth. He did this year, and I think some team's going to make that bet. And now the Grizzlies have to figure out what in the world do you do if he gets a deal that's going to be around $15.5 million a year. Very, very interesting decision with a lot of ramifications and a lot of dominoes that will fall once that decision is made. Well, as promised, uh, we end the... The show today with a look and a listen, really. Not a look. Let's listen to. It's this is this is podcasting. This is not video casting or vlogging or whatever the hell they call it. So listen. Let's listen in to the interview that I did with Glenn Cyprian of the Memphis Hustle. He's the uh, Memphis Hustle head coach now, the new uh, D League slash G League team. For the uh, for the Grizzlies, uh, I did this interview along with my uh, radio partner on the uh, actual terrestrial radio side, 
Dave Woloshin. So you'll hear me first, and you'll hear Dave's voice occasionally in the interview. Don't be alarmed. That's just Dave. And uh, but, but but I think you have some very interesting thoughts from Glenn Cyprian on lots of different issues. So we'll end with that. Everybody have yourself a great hump day. Uh, we'll chat again uh, later on in the week as we continue with Locked on Grizzlies. You um you went th- last year, uh, Sip, and you kind of uh, jumped in in the mix, replaced Matt Woodley. What was the the transition like for for you uh, when you were called upon to go up to Iowa to to jump in and, and coach the Energy? Well, a little bit unexpectedly, uh, they were on a seventeen game losing streak, and, and that's Chris not good. Went, that's not great, is it? No, that's not good. Two and nineteen, and uh, Chris <laughs> sent me down just to kind of see what was going on and uh while i was down there he called and said hey by the way we're going to make you the head coach in the next 30 minutes <laughs> and uh so that that's kind of how it happened I, I think he borderline tricked me but i'm not sure he won't admit to that but uh it, it was fine i mean once i got back into it and got in the swing of things and try to figure out what it is what the problems were and it, it's a difficult task g league in some ways because you have NBA guys in the locker room and you've got, you know, nine or 10 other guys, G League guys who's looking to get called up. So sometimes you don't have great chemistry. You've got, you know, obviously guys playing for themselves. So the first thing I wanted to do was try to get that locker room tight. And, um, and, and actually, you know, I was tougher on the NBA guys than I were on the G League guys. And it just came together in terms of the chemistry got a little better. We were able to win two games. And, uh, and, you know, as it went on, we had two guys get called up at Troy Williams and Wayne Stelton, who actually, you know, did a great job of buying into playing team basketball and doing what I asked him to do. And so it kind of worked out great. But I, I really enjoyed it once that got going. Just so we get a sense of this, you know, minor league baseball, if you're on a AAA club, it really to a lot of the, the the folks in management, wins and losses are not necessarily that important as long as you know, you're know you getting ready for what the big league club wants you to do. I know you're running a lot of the same stuff that uh, David Fisdale wants to be run in, in, in Memphis. So how much of this is development? How much of this is we want to win games? It's all development. I mean, it's it's uh, despite what I want to do <laughs> in some ways from a competitive standpoint. Meaning, yeah, I'd like to win every game. It's the the, the big part of this, the major component of this, is a hundred percent development. And uh, it's a win win when you can get guys developed and get them called up, especially for the Grizz organization. Is definitely a win win. Uh, Philosophy wise, yeah, we'll do a lot of the same things. Uh, but it's you know, again, it's. Last season, there there were times where, you know, we're in situations where we could win games, and and uh, you know that's not the most important thing. The most important thing is getting guys in position in situations, whether they're playing good or not. I mean, we have to put some guys back in the game just so they could play in the game situations and and, and learn from them, and uh, and that's what development is all about. And and uh, that, you know that's why we have to hustle. With an eye on development, uh, Sip, do, what does it do for you guys to have the facility now to move uh, here, to, to have the whole team be owned by the Grizzlies completely, to be able to shuttle guys back and forth, work out in the, the Grizzlies facilities, which are being upgraded as we speak? All of those things from a development standpoint, and people can keep an eye on them. What, what does that do? Well, it's a tremendous advantage in that we can use, obviously, the same practice facility, the weight room, 
Uh, we're here. Obviously, Fizdale and his his staff is here. Uh, I could see possibly some of the Grizz guys supporting these guys coming out to games, and which I think is also another huge component. Uh, but it's just it's just a tremendous factor. And I think more than anything else is that at the end of the day, guys get to go home and sleep in their own beds. And uh, as nice as Iowa was and as great as the fan base was there, you were still in Iowa. And uh, so I think that's going to be a huge advantage for our guys, especially the guys, what we call two-way guys, who can play on both squads, you know, knowing that they'll always be able to go home and sleep in their own beds. Well, logistically, there's a couple things, like you just said. Could, could you literally play, if there was an afternoon game in South Haven, could you literally come that night and play for the Grizzlies in, in, in a game? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Or it could be, you know, they practice in the morning. They could play with me in the, in the afternoon or that night. Uh, so from that standpoint, you will have some advantages, uh, you know, just being close, uh, being so close. So that that's going to be a big deal, I think. And the second part of that is, how, how do you use the same? I mean, there's only that one practice facility uh, yeah. that, that, that's there off the uh, the plaza when you walk into FedEx Forum. How, how will that – you're going to have to use off hours, or how does that work? Yeah, what, what we're thinking about, and again, there's still some logistics need, needs to be uh, ironed out a little bit, but uh, usually they'll stick to their practice time. They'll go 11, 12, uh, and you know, usually 1 to 1, one thirty, maybe even 2. It just depends. And then we'll come on right after them in the afternoons. And uh, basically we'll – I call it varsity and JV. So we'll, yeah. as the JV, we'll stay out of the varsity way. And uh, once they're done, you know, we get on the floor and we'll use all of their facilities. So there's still some things that need to be ironed out. I think it'll be kind of, it'll be a little bit like a college team in that, you know, guy, you practice in the afternoons. And, uh, the only setback, I guess, is, is that you really don't have anything for these guys to do in the morning. Like in college, you would have classes for them to go to. So we've got to figure that part out if we're not practicing until late in the afternoon. You don't want 20, 22, 23-year-olds sleeping in all day till 12, 1 in the afternoon. So that's something we're going to have to iron out, whether it be, you know, getting them life skill classes or some sort of classes or sessions or something where uh, these guys have to get up in the morning and, and be accountable for doing other things besides basketball. I thought it'd be like when you go to the you know play pickup at the gym, coach. Where you just kind of you have to have next. You know, so you got you have to beat those guys. You got to beat those guys to get on the court. You're gonna have to put a team together if you want to practice. Yeah, yeah, no, that could be fun. But no, it's it's gonna work itself out. There's other ball ball clubs that do it. Uh, uh, the Knicks do it. Uh, the Lakers did it. Now they've got their own facilities. Uh, so there's other teams that that's uh, that's doing it this way. Sip, I, I think also we were talking about this earlier, just watching um, the finals and watching how things have progressed. And, and I, you know, from your perspective, you know, having coached uh, at a lot of different levels, you know, when when you see how things are going in the NBA, and it seems as though when adjustments are made, it, it typically, particularly in the playoffs, it, it always involves going smaller. There's not a lot of adjustments going bigger. Everything seems to be smaller, including you know playing KD at the five last night and LeBron at the five and you know getting more more shooting and spread does the way the NBA is kind of drifting in that direction change the way you want guys to develop in the roles that you want them to play well it's nowadays like you said I mean you've got five guys shooting three spraying the floor I mean even Draymond Green who is a five four three whatever you want to yeah. whatever you want to put him 
I mean, he's out shooting threes. So the game has really changed comparable to way back when I started, when you always had high-low basketball. You had two bigs, two traditional bigs. Now it's spread the flow, play small ball, push, and get up as many threes as you can. It's just amazing to watch you know, how Golden State, how good they are and how much more confident they're playing because last time I really remember their confidence being shipped was when we played them in the playoffs mm-hmm. several years ago and I just thought we played at such a good pace and we just physically beat them up pretty good. But boy, ever since that, you know, ever since they beat us in that series, they've just been a, a different organization and the way they play confident-wise and everything. It's just a different team. And David Fisdale wants to play more like that, so that's going to be your edict Give me uh, your sense of, of uh, the players that you're going to have. Who, like, Do you know who's going to be a part of the hustle next year? No, we have no idea. Uh, we've got to obviously go into the NBA draft here in June, uh, see who we draft, see who's ready, who's not ready, maybe some guys that aren't ready who will play a lot with us. And then we have an expansion draft. Uh, in August, expansion. All the teams that's already in, they get to protect nine guys on their current roster, and we can choose from them. And then we have our own draft. End of October, 1st of November, uh, we'll have our own draft. Uh, we'll have local tryouts. You can get local guys, which we've done here last several years, get a couple of local guys. But uh, we won't have a team together, guys, until 1st of November. And then uh, from there, we'll have training camp and the season will start right away. And I want to tell everybody, um, because when you talk about local tryouts, just remember, uh, you know, Jonathan Simmons, who was, uh, you know, really, really good for the Spurs. He's going to make himself a lot of money this offseason. He uh, was 100 and he paid 150 bucks to, to, to try out uh, and got picked up by the uh, the Austin Spurs and then Toros at the time. And and they, they liked what they saw from him. Now, he, now, obviously, he had a very good college career. But uh, but if you're going to try out, you need to be at a pretty high level. I don't think you need to be some, you know, jabroni from the YMCA just <laughs> showing up. You got to have a little pedigree, am I right, Sip? I mean, you're not, you know, with, with all due respect. I mean, give it give it a shot if you want to. But but you better you better be pretty good. It's a lot. I, I tell you, the level the ball, the level playing level the competitive level is a lot different than people think. And uh, again, you've got guys. You got first round draft picks. You've got former NBA guys. You've got guys going at each other every night trying to make a team. And these guys are high-level guys. And uh, I'm like, you just can't be some slappies just coming to that tryout <laughs> trying to make a team. <laughs> Come on, man. I mean, because you're talking about guys that were like first-team all-conference <laughs> Division One, like, you know, next, like the guys that oh, average it's, 15, it's, 20 it's, points in, in, at D1, high-level. This is not... Yeah, you know, but I mean, if you think you're, if you want to give it a shot, there are stories of guys who yeah. have done it. It is possible. Yeah. Don't don't give up on your dream. Just know that it's a it's it's a high level. It's a very very high level. Right, right. I mean, I, I'm telling you, you look around last year, it was unbelievable. You got Ben Gordon, who's trying to make a comeback. I mean, it, every oh, yeah. every game, Baron every Davis game, tried. It, yeah, yeah, yeah. Every game you look around and. There's high-level guys who played on a high level, played on championship teams and playoff games who are out there playing in the G League who's trying to make a comeback. So it is definitely high-level. It's it's higher than any level of college basketball. It's higher than the ACC uh, or the Pac-12 or any, any conference, true? That's exactly right. That's exactly right. So it's a, it's a combination of, you know, again, ex-players, uh, guys that are presently on rosters, and uh, the way we tried to coach him last year, and, I, and I'll do the same, is you're going to have some guys who, who left school early. 
So potentially who could have been sophomore, junior. You know, last year we had Deontay Davis. So basically Deontay this past season was playing as if he was a sophomore. Uh, you had Jarrell Martin on our team last year. You had Wayne Selda, who would have been a senior. So it's like having college guys, and that's the way I try to coach them. You've got to bring them in, break a lot of habits. Uh, and again, breaking habits in that them still trying to make it to the NBA, trying to get called up. So it's, uh, you know, it's a certain level of, of, uh, that you've got to get through with those guys to get them prepared. Uh, keep the environment strong in terms of team environment and still win games. Since you mentioned those three names, are they NBA players? Oh, yeah, for sure, for sure. I'm, I mean, I'm awfully proud of all those guys. Uh, Wade Baldwin, I thought Wade made some strides with me last season as well. Uh, I think all those guys are going to really contribute. Jarrell just needs to get a little bit of confidence. He was, tough, he was stuck in a tough spot because of Michael Green playing so well and Brandon Wright came back, and there was just no real, no real minutes for him. Uh, Deontay Davis was tremendous, and not just basketball-wise, but the best thing he did while he's with me was he, he was able to communicate, talk, and, and on the floor and demand the ball and do things that perhaps if he's up with the varsity, you wouldn't possibly see. So all those guys made strides in their own little way. And I can see every last one of them contribute to this roster next year. You got to communicate as a big with what you guys do, and with the switching, and with all the the, the work that's done defensively, and the awareness, and that's the stuff. I know Marcus all's taking a, a a real close interest in Deontay Davis, and that's the kind of thing that you know Mark will do is talk, 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 talk. You got to make sure you're talking out there at all times, or else you're going to get confused. Well, again, I, I remember the first time he came over, I said, "Coach, they won't throw me the ball." And I just looked at him. I said, "You need to go in that huddle and tell them. <laughs> don't tell me. <laughs> don't tell don't me. Tell me. <laughs> yeah, you need to tell them." And to me, that was a, a that was a little a baby step of man. This kid's get better and better, you know. Or he he apologizing after we lost, you know. Or coach, I should have played better. I mean, how many guys that happens to in, in, in the NBA? I mean, that that just doesn't happen. And that showed me that he's got a certain passion for this game and he wants to be good. The, uh, I'm curious too because you've done it now at a lot of different levels, uh, Sip. So you, you know, you were you know, in college, Oklahoma State, with Tony Allen, with uh, Memphis. We know a lot of different spots now. You know, you've been in the NBA and you've now in 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 coaching the, the the G League team. From a development standpoint, is it better for a player to develop? The NBA's talked about Adam Silver talked about it last week where he was thinking maybe let's lower that age restriction, get players in at 18. And see and see what happens the way that it that used to be. If a player from eighteen to twenty one is going to develop, is it better for that player to develop in an organization in a G League slash playing for the, the the main squad if he's good enough, or in a college environment going two or three years? Well, selfishly, not only my position. <laughs> <laughs> if you if you asked me three years ago, I would say, why would guys want to leave school early? That doesn't make any sense. But uh, to have a kid in this organization or any G League organization, NBA organization, I think it gives them the opportunity to learn how to become a professional at a smaller level. Uh, they still run into the same issues they have, you know, the, the money problems, the people trying to get at them and all those things, the life skills things that they mm-hmm. need to learn. So for them to do it at this level, I think it's a tremendous help for them early on. Uh, I've always been a big advocate of, you know, guys need to stay in school at least a year and, and, and learn, you know, be in that environment. But once I got to the pros, 
I realized because of the limitations that the NCAA put on these guys, you know, in terms of the workouts, them being able in the offseason to get stuff done skill-wise, you know, it, it would make sense for a young kid to say, you know what, I just want to go where I can just play basketball all day. You know, if I can go in the gym twice a day, however many times a week, that's what I need to develop my skill level. So I think selfishly and just being around both settings, uh, I would say it's almost better for a kid to be able to just come out of high school to come here. My only requirement would be that they'd have to spend a year in the G League. You know, if you're going to let them come out early, then tell them they've got to be in the G League. Now they've got to learn travel. Now they've got to learn how to be a professional and, and make them take some courses and stuff on, on becoming a pro. And I think all those little things like that will definitely help to help the uh, the overall uh, the overall transition of these guys going from college or from high school to professional. Yeah. How do you think this is going to affect college basketball in the long run? Well, I think what's going to happen, guys are just they're going to leave. I mean, it's any any inclination that they can make a little bit of money, guys are just going to leave college, and it's already affected the college game in a lot of ways. I, I think if uh, if they really cared about college basketball, they, like the NCAA and some of these entities, like they say, didn't stop on the restrictions, the summer restrictions of what you can and can't do basketball-wise. You know, let these schools have the ability to hire more coaches. Because when I was coming up, I was able to be a graduate assistant. You know, coaches were able to were able to get some young guys out there. And now you can't do so many things. So it's it's affecting from A to Z. It's affecting these guys, affecting the players, and it's it's definitely affecting the style of play. But uh, I can just see a lot of guys just jumping pro, especially if they uh, if they do away with the limitation of years, they got to stay in college. It's Ace's biggest LED light bulb sale of the year. Right now, buy one, get one free on our best-selling LED light bulbs. Our four-pack of LED bulbs is $9.99, and our two-pack of LED floodlights is only $12.99. Buy one, get one free. There's no limit on how much you can save, so stock up now. Hurry in. Buy one, get one free on long-lasting 10-year LED bulbs, now through Monday, only at your neighborhood Ace. See participating stores for details.